Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Blitz. As always, I'm Vince Miller, joined by my co-host Ashton Overholt. Ashton, episode 100 of the podcast. Somehow we made it to 100 already. Um, I don't know that it was. Uh, I don't know that we broke any records in the in, in the process, but we had a lot of fun, or at least I did. Yeah, no, same here. It's it's surprising, like how many episodes, yeah, that that we had out already. 100 is crazy. And by the way, this is like. One of my favorite podcasts to do all year. Mm-hmm. I, I love the coaches draft. Like this is this is our fourth annual, by the way, fourth annual coaches draft. I look forward to this all off season. It's the highlight of the off season. I love this. I agree. It's like the perfect episode to do for a hundredth episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's our our annual coaches draft. Just basically very simple, very simple idea. We both draft. We take turns drafting um, the college football coaches that we would like to hire if we were an AD. Is that it? Is that it? I mean, do you have a more complicated way of looking at it than I do? <laughs> no, no, not really. Like if you're, if you're hiring someone to win you a championship in the next two years, like, like who sure. do you really trust for your program? And it's not, not a long-term thing. Like it enables us to go after some of the older coaches too, if we want. Um, but yeah, trajectory does have a, a bit to play in it but it is resume based as well so it it's very much up to to me and you like how we view these coaches personally which is fun and by the way this is this year there's going to be a lot a lot up for debate because there's nothing really set in stone with yeah some of the coaching mm-hmm. shuffles that we've had and i mean and some of the coaches you've like perspective has just changed on them due to you know either success or lack thereof you know on the field so i it's going to be fun we're going to have some some arguments here yeah i believe Every time we've done this, we've posted the results on our Instagram story and with a poll. Yep. And basically, every time whoever had Nick Saban won the won the poll, like yeah, yeah. it's just how it works. Little different this year, where there's there could be some legitimate debate. Um, one thing I will say, I think you had mentioned something about a two year hire. I think I usually think of it as a five year hire. That way, recruiting comes into it a little bit more. But okay. just kind of the whole thing, um, recruiting. Game day coaching, the culture a coach brings, just all of it. Um, so, Ashton, I have here a quarter. We'll get right down to it. Uh, we just alternate picks. It's just two of us, so we're not doing a snake draft or anything. We'll just alternate picks. Um, Ashton, I already know, but what do you say? Heads or tails? Tails, yeah. Let's go with tails. All right. Shocker. It is tails. Ashton, you once again have the number one pick in this draft. I think you almost – I think maybe two out of three times, if not all three times, have done it so far. So yeah, here you go. Yeah, I, I actually didn't want the number one pick. I didn't think you did. It's so I, hard. I, I had no desire to go number one at all. Um, okay, so, okay. So here's the thing: it's between Kirby and Saban, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, this is it's very obvious, and it's always been Saban. Like Saban should be the number one coach because he's the greatest of all time, right? Mm-hmm. He's won seven national titles. He's done it a bunch of different ways. He's done it with offense first, defense first. He's developing quarterbacks now. His assistants go on to have wild. He's the greatest of all time, like in yeah. my opinion. However, like one of his guys, <laughs> Kirby Smart, has now won back-to-back titles, something that Saban only did the one time. 
and like Georgia is now recruiting at a level that is on par or maybe even slightly better than Bama. I mean, it's very, very close. You can argue either way. And they're definitely developing better, like overall, yeah. like their players, their talent, they're they're develop developing them better. So the, I'm yeah. This, this is a gr- I mean, I guess it's a great spot for me to be in. I'm just, I'm uncomfortable because I mean, you're obviously <laughs> going to take whoever I don't take. That's right. Uh, yeah. I feel great right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm going to go with Saban. I, I'm going to choose Saban for all the reasons that I gave you. However, I'm going to go ahead and make your argument for you for, for Kirby. <laughs> like, okay. So since Kirby has left, since he left Alabama, Alabama's won two championships. And Georgia's won two champions. They've each won two titles, right, in 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 Kirby's absence from there. So they, they both had a lot of success, right? But there's no doubt that Alabama's defense is not where it was. Like, it's definitely taken multiple steps back. And and the, the culture has as well, it feels like, and the development has also. So, yes, I'm still going with Saban because, like, look at, look at his coaching tree, man. Like, like, look at the guy's coaching tree. Look who – Everyone wants to coach for him and, and anymore in college football. It's it's about being a CEO of a program. And like, who can you hire? Like, what kind of hires can I make? And Saban usually hits it out of the park. I'm going to trust Saban. <laughs> I might regret this later. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I was right there with you as far as being torn at the top there. I think I was probably 51-49 Kirby Smart, which look at that. You're the Georgia fan. You went with Saban. Yeah. I'm not yeah. the Georgia fan, but I... I think I probably would have gone Kirby and I'll take him here at two, obviously. I the trajectory is absolutely set in stone. I think if either one of these guys, so so both of these guys lost their offense coordinators this year. Um, right. Georgia due to the guy going to the NFL and Alabama due to him being nudged to the NFL. So they're both NFL offensive coordinators, but maybe slightly different circumstances. Um if either one of these guys had absolutely nailed that hire, like slam dunk, that was an amazing hire. It probably would have made this choice a little easier for me. Right. I'm not convinced that either one nailed it. I don't know that either one completely failed it. Um, and you probably have a little more faith in what Kirby did. Um, a little more continuity there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not a bad choice at the top. There's clearly a top two in the sport right now, uh, both on the field and who is coaching them. So I don't hate your pick at all. I will, obviously, you just drafted Nick Saban with the yeah. number one pick. No one is going to say that's a bad pick. I feel like no one will say that Kirby Smart is a bad pick at number two either. I mean, you can't really no. argue with either one of these picks. You you really can't. And I, I do think it's remarkable how much the, like, Imagine going up against those old school Alabama teams that had both of those guys. Like, yeah. like that's what you can kind of go back to is like, there's Alabama teams that had Kirby and Saban <laughs> who are the two. I mean, they're the top two guys going right now. And it makes you wonder like, how did anybody get, how did anyone else even get five stars? Like, like how did Alabama not have all the five stars? If you have both of those guys going after you, it, it's, it's a credit to, to, to Saban and to Kirby that, that they can do it their own way. Um, and they do have like unique styles a little bit, but, but there's no question that they are relentless recruiters. Like, yes. and, and they're, they're, they're very, very good at getting top, not just, not just like, not just recruiters of players, but recruiters of coaches too. And like, they get top assistants to join them. 
And it's what, it's what separates them. It is. It's what separates them. They, they definitely make it a fun culture, or I don't know if it's fun. It's a, it's a very um, competitive culture, and mm-hmm. where it's where, yeah, top-level coaches want to go. They seek those, those positions out. And, yeah, that's credit to those two guys. They're, they're yeah, a clear top two in the sport. That gives me pick number three. So By the way, just real quick, just to add to that point that you made there, there does seem like there's a there's a certain thing in coaching where the ego says, I have the answers. I can turn this four-star player into the best player in the country at his position. I can take this three-star because I see something that no one else sees, and I can mold this clay. And I can – I could put out the best, I can call the best plays. I have all the best plays out there. I, I call the perfect play on third and seven. I, all of that. And that is all wonderful. But if you can do that with five stars, it doesn't really matter how smart you are as a coach. Like it matters to an extent, but I think Kirby and Saban have both figured out you're a lot better as a coach when you have the best talent on your team. Like quite simply, that's where it starts. One thing I think is amazing is, is the people that go there, like all these, all these, these players and coaches that go there and how they, they, they fit into the, the, the culture that's already there. Mm-hmm. Like, like th- there is a Georgia culture and an Alabama culture and the players and the coaches adapt into that. Like they are, they will fit in that system and the five, cause five star certain five stars want to play their own way. But there is, and it's it's widely accepted that when you go to Alabama, you will do it Saban's way. Like there's not going to you're not going to go freelance. Like you will fit into a system. And I think it's it's incredible how they're able to mold like those five stars into their system and and like incorporate them in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some some guys don't fit and they transfer out. And it, yeah, maybe it works for them somewhere else. Maybe it doesn't. I just think it's amazing at like how much retention they get with yeah. the amount of five stars they bring in. I just think that's wild. Like, yep. like Georgia, Georgia has a, a yeah, a, a bunch of players that, especially on defense, that would be starting anywhere else and could have transferred out two years ago and been a star somewhere else, but they stayed. And now maybe just now they're kind of getting their shot on defense, right? Because they were playing behind first round draft picks. I, I, I think that's incredible. It's, yeah, it's all credit to them. I think we've given them their flowers. We, yeah. <laughs> everyone knows that it is like, it's Kirby and Saban at the top. Look it, at us making where, great picks at the top, man. Congratulations right, to us. <laughs> very smart people. Um, okay. I'm going to go with Dabo at three. And I just, I'm, you have to hear me out on this one because the, the current trajectory of Dabo would feel down. Like a lot of people would say it, like they've, they've disappointed. Right. And they, and they kind of have, they had, yeah, it's, it's no surprise. Like they struggled. They lost three games last year, including their bowl loss. The hire of Garrett Riley was big. I think it showed that he's not blind. It Dabo's not blind. Dabo's won two national titles fairly recently. I think we we kind of brushed past that. And he he won with different quarterbacks. It wasn't just you know just one guy that he got in there. He's and then he has a five-star quarterback there now again. I I believe in Dabo. I think Clemson is, I think they will have a resurgence. I'm taking him for his track record. I like what he does there. I think I think Clemson will rebound. That's what I think. And I Dabble overall as a coach, like, yeah. Where, where you could go at the three spot as far as coaches? It, like the names are, you know, Lincoln Riley, Harbaugh, Brian Kelly, Ryan Day. Like there's a lot of guys there, but how many have won two national titles recently? Like, so that's that's kind of what I kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to go with Dabo. Do I feel great about it? <laughs> no, not totally. Not totally. But I have Saban and Dabo Sweeney. I like where I'm at overall from a title standpoint. I think you probably should feel better about it than I feel about four. I There's tiers to this thing. To me, it feels like the top tier right now is Saban and Smart. And then Dabo's kind of in his own spot. I would have absolutely taken him at three. The Garrett Riley hire this offseason was kind of the clincher for me. We've really been questioning kind of his loyalty to a fault um, and what that has done to his program the last couple of years. Going out and getting Garrett Riley after just one year of, of, of Brandon Streeter, at offensive coordinator, and just kind of recognizing, okay, this is not working. This is not up to our standard. We need to do better. Going and getting the hottest name in the market, Garrett Riley, who did a great job last year with TCU. To me, that was a sign. Dabo is still Dabo. Like, they can still – I think the goal there is still to win titles. They're not okay going 10-2. Yeah. and two. Um, So that was huge for me. I think that's a good pick at three. And like I said, there's tiers. To me, it feels like you have a tier here from, like, four to seven or ten or something like yeah. that. And yeah. then after that, it's all kind of just personal preference. But then, like – Oh, this is tough. Um, at four, yeah, go ahead. So, no, I just had one one little thing to add. So, so Dabo has the same amount of titles as Kirby, and it is recency bias. Kirby's won the last two, mm-hmm. but we would we would definitely view Kirby as above Dabo, even though they have the same amount of titles, and even though they were both looking for offensive coordinators this past year, and Clemson by far hired the better one, in my opinion. I'm not yeah. a big Bobo guy, so you know whatever. But like like when did when did we make that switch? And, and is that a switch that we should, like, we, we we kind of all agree that Kirby's two and Dabo's three, or Kirby's one or two, and Dabo's definitely a step behind. When did that happen? Like, like Dabo would still have, it wasn't long ago that Dabo was unquestionably two. I think in one of these drafts, we might have taken Dabo one. It was right after they smacked Alabama, probably, that we might have taken Dabo at one or something. Like, you, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, oh, like yeah. it was, like, when did, when did that switch happen? I, I'm trying to look back at our draft from a year ago. I sort of think that we took Smart at two last year, but it was like, yeah, very tight, um, a tough right, decision, right. that type of thing. I would say, if just looking at the last two years, obviously Smart has won two titles, and Clemson has sort of had two subpar by their standard years. Not terrible, obviously, but we've seen it two years in a row now where it just felt a little underwhelming. So to me, it feels like it, it's happened over the last two years. You could a year ago, it was a clear argument. Um, yeah, a lot of debate. To me, it feels a little more clear now that well, Smart is at the top of his his coaching game, if you will. He's recruiting ridiculous classes. Yeah, and he's getting the results on the field. So you can't really argue with that right now. Yeah, to me, it feels like there's a a clear separation at this point. Not to say that Dabo can't get back up there because he has done some incredible things at Clemson. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I think, and it wasn't long ago that Kirby was viewed as like, he was subpar as a game day coach. Like, yeah. like he could recruit guys, but then once you show up on Saturdays, like Dan Mullen might just out scheme you or mm-hmm. yeah, who, whoever it was, Joe Brady in the 2019 LSU offense, like they're just going to out scheme you. And because like Kirby was yeah dumb and he started the wrong quarterbacks or yeah, whatever. What like there was a whole bunch of narratives about it. But he he Kirby to his to his credit has has definitely dispelled all of that. And yeah, w- winning titles, I guess, does that does that for you. <laughs> yeah. 
So with my next pick at number four here, like there's so many ways I could go. I don't have a strong conviction on any pick here. Do you know how in football sometimes they say you just have to do what would tick off your opponent? <laughs> I already know what you're doing. Yeah. I'm taking Jim Harbaugh. Um, I know. We've been talking about the last two years, and he's made the playoff the last two years with Michigan. I have a much higher opinion of him, quite frankly, than I did two years ago. Two years ago, I felt like he was getting close to being on his way out. I There's still that little sliver of me that just doesn't quite believe what I've seen in the last two years, even though it clearly <laughs> happened and we all witnessed it. Um, yeah, I... To me, it feels like a big drop off from three to four. I think you yeah. can make a pretty good argument that Harbaugh is the top guy in this next tier. I mean, I agree. Like, I, <laughs> like, I was, I thought I was going to get him. Okay, how did you come around on Harbaugh? Because you don't like Harbaugh, and you, for the most part, don't like to give him credit. What has he done? Like, he went like, to the wh- playoffs two you... years in a row. That's what he's done, no, and he beat Ohio why State why two you... years in a row. But you you think those were flukes? You do because you're not going to pick them this year to do it. So you think it's a fluke? No, I. It's not a fluke. It's just. Well, okay. So there's nuance to this. It's possible. It's possible they've gotten a little lucky the last two years. But the results still count. It still matters, and he still made it happen. And we're now finally starting to see the recruiting step up a little bit like it's right. it's taken a while um a year right. ago they, they were not recruiting very well even after they had made the playoff hey if he can if he can use just a little bit of luck to up the recruiting soon it won't be luck anymore soon and they're just going to be that good and okay. the results do still have to matter he has beaten ryan day twice in a row on the field that actually counts do i think he's necessarily like his, do I think his team is better than Ryan Day's this next year? I don't know, but the other part of it is I think Ohio State is t- more talented than Michigan. So the fact that Michigan has beaten them twice in a row says something about the coaching. Fair, but like it's the coach's fault if you're not talented. Like, like yes. that's an argument that kind of that kind of bugs me a lot, and I feel like a lot of even like educated people will make this is like, well, like this guy, you know, coach A is better than coach B, but, but, you know, coach B just recruits way better. And and his coach B's team actually beats coach A, but like coach A is still the guy that we like. And we're going to pick him higher because maybe he's slightly better game day coach. It's, 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 it's a CEO problem. Like it's a company problem. And if you like Harbaugh has been there so long that any lack of talent that he has on his roster is his fault. Like it's, he is, there's no one else to blame like it's you have complete turnover on your roster and 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 i'm a hardball guy and and i was yeah i was a believer in him when, when not many else <laughs> were mm-hmm. i guess it's i can vouch for you yeah we've right. come we've come a long way in the last two years i will say that it bothers me that i don't have him it, that really <laughs> kind of miffs me i thought you're gonna go lincoln Riley. so lincoln uh hardball's been to the playoff twice the last two years hardball Har- i mean sorry lincoln riley's been four times like mm-hmm. What is your argument? They both have the same amount of playoff wins, which is zero. Like, what's the argument there? <laughs> Why wouldn't you go with Lincoln Riley? If he had high, if he had fired Alex Grinch mm-hmm. any of the last three or so off seasons and replaced him with a competent defensive coordinator, he would absolutely have been my pick at four. Yeah, that scares me. Now he's still high on my board. He's definitely in my mind. He's in that top seven somewhere. 
I'm still not sure where. <laughs> this, these next three picks, I'm still not sure exactly what order they'll be. Next four picks, you could say. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, you could poke holes in every coach. To sure. me, that's his hole. That's The hole has been being a little mm-hmm. too attached to a subpar defensive coordinator, which is the mm-hmm. side of the ball that's not his specialty. And so, like, we, we talk about this all the time. When you hire a coordinator to be a head coach, the other side of the ball, he needs to nail that hire. Right. And eh, he's had a while to do it now, and it's just not happening. And I think someday it will, and then he'll be shooting up this list, but still hasn't happened. So for that reason, I'll take Harbaugh over him. Fair. No, yeah, I, I have no problem with that. What about like Ryan Day as opposed to Harbaugh? Because it wasn't long ago that Ryan Day had just made a championship game in the COVID year in 20, and he lost Alabama, but he'd won a playoff game. And he beat Clemson and Dabo to get there. And we were feeling really good about Ryan Day. He was, you know, top three. Yeah, yeah. some would argue even maybe a little higher. Like it is Harbaugh. You like you take those two coaches and you and you swap teams with them. Who's you you view Harbaugh or Day as the better coach? Like overall, probably Harbaugh. Um, well, okay. Let me separate coaching and I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I do feel like recruiting is the number one job of a head coach, right? If we're talking about the recruiting, I think Day is a little better just based on what Ohio State has done under him. Like, they got better. I don't know if their classes ended up actually being better, but they were ranked higher when he took over as opposed to when Urban was there. And Urban Meyer was known as a great recruiter. Right, right. I think he's a better recruiter than Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh might be better at some of the CEO stuff. Okay. Um, If that makes sense. Harbaugh has, they they definitely develop better. We can say that. Yes. Like, yes. Ohio State does, they they get a lot of five-star defensive, like, ends or, like, even defensive tackles. They have five-stars on their defense, like linebackers even, and they don't, they're not well-developed, or at least Mm -hmm. they they don't appear to be. Like, the five-stars that Georgia gets on defense, they usually hit on, and kind of the same with Michigan. So, like, yeah, no, I I agree, because I think, like, Ohio State recruits at a, great level i mean they're right there with georgia alabama like they're right in that tier mm-hmm. it's just it, it is concerning that like if i would take ryan day because i'm trying to just figure out who i'm going to take at five because this was this is not an enviable position being at sure. five but <laughs> like ryan day if the if they lose to michigan this year i think that he will be fired i'm not saying that's a rational decision or a decision that i will make but I'm saying that's a decision that Ohio State will make if they lose for the third time in a row. I'm not going to take a coach that might get fired at the end of this year inside, you know, as in the top yeah. five. Like, I'm not going to take him there. If if they had come back this last year against Michigan after losing for the first time in forever, if yeah. they had come back this past year and showed fight, like just played, like even if they would have lost a like a one-point game or something. Yeah. And just shown fight, I think I would be higher on day. Somehow he didn't have his team ready to play against their rival for the second year in a row. And that was, I mean, they still came one field goal away from winning the national title. So, right, everything's in context. But that was, that was concerning. Like, how do you not come back against your most hated rival, the biggest rivalry in college football, and at least show a little more fight? Like, you're you could very much argue they were the more talented team. Yeah. But, but they 
gave up big play after big play on the back end of their defense. And then eventually they stopped get stopped stopping the run too. And yeah, just Michigan made them quit. Michigan yeah. made them quit. In in my opinion, Michigan made him quit, which is what's so concerning about Day, like as a coach, because there's no doubt that he's a great offensive mind and he develops quarterbacks quite well. His receivers are unbelievable, right? Yeah. Like I have I have no problem with that. And he he even recruits defensive talent well. Like mm-hmm. there's talent there. The the toughness is what I like keep coming back to because like th- their losses are all the same way. Like th- they lose to a team that's more physical than them. And eventually, like they begin just to give up chunk plays on defense. Like they they wear out in the third and fourth quarter. And it's like that's not like that's their last number of losses. That's Michigan the last couple of years. It was Oregon last year, Georgia this past year. Like the defense just stops. And like yeah, there's NFL players on that defense. Like they should be able to to yeah, to to get a few punts. Like I'm not saying you have to throw a shutout, but do better. And yeah, I think for that reason, I've kind of talked myself into Lincoln Riley. I, am I? Okay. Do I feel good about it? No, not really. But I will go with Riley at five. He's been to the playoff four times. He does not have a playoff win. That is, is that concerning? It is. Is the the is Alex Grinch as the defensive coordinator there concerning? Yes, yes, it is. But <laughs> I think they're going to have a lot of wins this year. They've got a really good quarterback. He has like he has his own system of it, right? Like it's 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 a Mike Leach offense with a pro quarterback, like a future pro at quarterback. So it's like kind of like a, a rich man's Mike Leach, like kind of like that's kind of what we're doing here. It's a great offensive system. Yeah, I I'll go with it. I think I think somehow they get the defense figured out enough. They don't have to have a great one. True. Just a a decent defense. And USC is a playoff threat. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Lincoln Riley at five. I don't hate that at all. I do think that someday he will, whether it's at USC or wherever, wherever, probably at USC, he will figure out the defensive, like the defensive hire. He'll he'll hire a good defensive coordinator, and he'll win a national title or two. Like I think Who's that someone- is a thing that will happen. Who's someone that that like he could have got this offseason? Like I was thinking even like Kevin Steele. I know Alabama got him, but yeah, like there's a number of guys out there that are are attainable, like at USC. So yeah, it it, it is tough to see him just keep re-upping Alex Grinch time after time. I know that we talked a lot about Jim Leonard. I know he was also yeah. interviewing for NFL defensive coordinator jobs. But to me, I mean, USC is a lot of money. Like, that would have been an incredible hire. Like, as a Notre Dame fan who has USC as our rival, I would have been terrified if they would have gone and gotten Jim Leonard. But honestly, with the way his offenses play, even a – even okay, Al Golden, Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, pretty clear that it was a step down from Marcus Freeman and Clark Lee and Mike Elko, the last three defensive coordinators that are all head coaches now. And we're all like incredible hires. Pretty clear that Al Golden is not that good, but you know, he's a solid B like that type of guy. Right. Right. If Lincoln Riley even had a defensive coordinator like that, he would absolutely be in my playoff this year. Guaranteed. Like, and, and would, I would seriously consider predicting him to them to win the title with a guy with a just a B like just go get it doesn't have to be Jim Leonard is my point right just go get right. somebody that doesn't suck <laughs> like like Penn State they got Manny Diaz like it, yeah and it really like the defense it's not it's not 
like no one's even saying that it's Iowa good even, but it, it's, it's quite decent. Yeah. Like yeah. if they could have like a, like a coordinator like that, you'd feel much better about SC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. My next pick. Oh, I really want to take the next two guys. Um, now you're, you're the one feeling pretty comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Do I go with my old man? The, the old guy who used to be my guy, even though I never really liked him, but I always had to, yeah, you, had to ride yeah, with him. Did. Yeah. You, you, you liked him. You're just trying to cover this up. It's <sighs> the breakup. The breakup is still hard. Yeah. D- does it hurt you seeing Brian Kelly win the sec West and beating Alabama? Is that painful for you? Um, I would describe it as kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. Like, I still don't really buy that. He's going to win a title. To me, if, I mean, he was he was talking about retiring like seven or eight years ago. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be in that job for super long. I don't think we're going to see him at in his 70s, like Nick Saban coaching at LSU, although he's he might be getting closer than I think. Um, but I, I always did think he was like he had a very high floor. Yeah. Um, and I actually think he fits LSU in a lot of ways better than he fit Notre Dame even though he's a Catholic guy from the Northeast. <laughs> um, I think he fits VLSU very good because he doesn't have to be an ace recruiter. It yeah. basically recruits itself down there. Right. And that was always his, the one mark against him at Notre Dame was he was a B-plus recruiter and Notre Dame just needed a little bit better. They just needed a little bit more. Um, and LSU doesn't need anything more than that. So maybe he can win a title. Is that uh, who you're taking then? <sighs> I'm torn. It's between him and Ryan Day. Is that, yeah, is that and right? Ryan Day is the okay. better recruiter. I think Yeah, Ryan Kelly is clearly kind of the better CEO, coach. Um, well, well, uh, just real quick, what a difference one year could make, like this next year. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Day could be out of a job, or he could be the – he could vault himself up to the third best coach in the country if they yes. win a champion. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But, like, Ryan Day, it's a, it's a real dice roll because like, it could go – it could kind of go either way. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas Brian Kelly will go sixth next year in our draft, almost guaranteed. Right. Like, he's not going right. to go significantly higher or lower than that. I'll take Ryan Day. Um, okay. Since we're taking polls out there on Instagram, I now have the Michigan and the Ohio State vote, so – We'll go with that. Yeah. 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 So I'll go with Ryan Kelly. Obviously yeah. that's what, that's what's left. That was, that was kind of easy. I, yeah. Like one point to Ryan day we've, we've bashed on him a lot and I, I don't know that it's fair. Like, like I really don't like I, he's 31 and two in the big 10. Yeah. 31 and two in the big 10. He's mopped up in the big 10. The, the problem is those two losses like are so painful. Yes. And, and, and the losses like, Losing to Michigan in that way, I I think the 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 expectation in Columbus is that we will always continue to beat Michigan. And yeah, I I really do feel like three losses in a row are unacceptable to them. So yeah, is it fair? Maybe maybe not. Here here's one theory that I do have. Say they lose, maybe they don't. Say they lose to Michigan again this year. It's the third year in a row. Mm-hmm. Ryan Day doesn't actually get fired but he decides to go back to the NFL. He kind of gets pressured out. He goes back to the NFL. He's an NFL guy. And I think Ohio state is on the verge of losing heartline to a, to a head coach job somewhere simply because he recruits so well. Yeah. And they want to keep him 
And so they kind of force day out and then they promote from within Heartline becomes the next Ohio state. I mean, yeah. Heartline's an Ohio state guy played there. Yeah. He's Columbus through and through. So I don't know that that was one kind of theory that I had Um, or Ryan day just goes out and wins a championship and yeah, we're just, yeah, we're absolute dummies for even mentioning this. But. Wouldn't going to Heartline feel like just an absolutely massive gamble? Like just a massive gamble that could turn out amazing and could just be yeah. horrendous. Would, like, would you ha- rather have Luke Fickle or, or Heartline as the next Ohio State head coach? You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 Fick, like they're total opposites. Total opposites. Yeah. Couldn't you say that Ohio State is kind of similar in some ways to the LSU job where all you yes. need is that high floor guy, Luke Fickle? And I know yeah. he was there before, but that was when he was young and it was just a mess coming out of the scandal, right. everything. To me, I think Luke Fickle would probably kill it at Ohio State. No, I agree. I No, 100%. Like, he went to the playoff with freaking Cincinnati. Yeah, he like, he will be just fine in Columbus. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, this – so I've taken – you went with Day. I go with Kelly. Um, the, For me, there was – yeah, I don't know. There, it's it's so interesting, right? In this area, man. Like, there's so many yeah. different different ways you could go. Um, I I have I have one one kind of guy that I'm I'm really hoping he falls to me here in a couple of picks. It's mm-hmm. a sneaky pick coming up. Yeah. So this is where you kind of get out of the absolute like core seven. Like you, those seven had to go in the top seven. I feel like. Yes. My next pick is actually the aforementioned Luke Fickle. Um, okay. Probably a lot of people would view it as a little bit of a reach. I just think he's a really good coach. Like you said, he went to the playoff with Cincinnati. I think he's going to have Wisconsin whistling along as a top four Big Ten program and closer to three than to five very yeah. soon. Um, maybe maybe not this year, but very soon. And what he did with going out and getting a great offensive coordinator, um, Phil Longo from North Carolina, to me, that was a sign, okay, when he's at a Power 5 program, he can go out and get a quality hire, and I freaking love it so much. Like, yeah, that was a good hire. I, I like that hire a lot. Um, I think Fickle could win a national title at the right school. Probably not Wisconsin, but at the right school, Ooh. I think he could win a title. Yeah, so, so you don't view this as like – long-term job for fickle do you still like in in my opinion i thought fickle was kind of hanging out at you know at cincinnati waiting for the ohio state job to kind of come back yeah wisconsin is not a bad job wisconsin's a really really good job is that maybe does does he just make that home theoretically so wisconsin's a good enough job that he can he can coach there for 10 years and retire and all of his grandchildren will live comfortably the rest of their lives. Like sure. Wisconsin's a really good job where if he, if Ohio state or whoever never comes calling, he'll be fine, but it's not so big that it just would be inconceivable that you can still jump to an Ohio state or a Notre Dame, that type of job where that it, it's kind of a nice little niche in there where it's like a really good job, but it's still, the door is still cracked. If, if it doesn't work yeah. out for Ryan day, like he can still make that happen. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I think that, like like you mentioned, Wisconsin job, it's, yeah, while really good, definitely not Ohio State. Like, not even not even Michigan in terms of scale. However, I think Fickle at Wisconsin can win the Big Ten. Like, I think, can yeah, like, just kind of considering where he's at and where, like, Wisconsin can get to, 
like they have a, a high ceiling. He can for sure go to say a Rose bowl, you know, something like that. Like he can be that guy. Um, I, I do still feel like it would be, yeah. Like, like he would still enjoy a callback at Ohio state. Like <laughs> I do yeah. think like some, somehow it feels like he would just kind of enjoy that call. Yeah, no, I don't know. Okay. So it takes this one back to me. I, I'm between, I'm between two guys. I'm between James Franklin, Kyle Whittingham. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Kyle Whittingham back to back PAC 12 championships. This he, he does. He's never been to the playoff, but neither has Franklin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think the, the job that he's done there has been fantastic. You want to talk about culture. You want to talk about development and just like knowing who you are and what your program strengths are in, in my mind, Kyle Whittingham is absolutely maxing out his ceiling at Utah. Like, I don't like, I just don't know like how he can do much better there. Maybe he can, maybe he can go to a playoff. He is, he is, he has done such an impressive job there. Like, like, yeah, it's wild how consistent they are. Like, you know, that when you go and play Utah, you know what you're going to be in for. Like, it's going to be a physical, they're, they're going to be really, really talented, but also really, really physical. And it's just going to be a four quarter fight. Um, yeah, I, I like what he's done there. Like we mentioned the back-to-back Pac-12 championships. Pac-12's most consistent program. Yeah, you could argue that. Like, I wouldn't have a problem saying that. So I'll go ahead and go with Kyle Whittingham. I think maybe he's maybe he will get a a playoff berth next year. Like, this will be his his last year to get one. But like, here's the thing: the the playoff kind of comes to him. Like, the, the expanded playoff really like the sport kind of comes back to someone like him who's just always on the outside looking in. He'll be he'll be in. Like, he'll be in yeah. in that bubble then. Um, getting to play for a championship. So yeah, I like Whittingham there. Is that a reach? Possibly. Like, is that one a reach? You, do you think I reached a little bit for him there? No, I think that probably would have been my next pick. Um, I I mean, I was going to ask you the same about Fickle. Who who really would have you felt comfortable taking after that top seven? Like was Whittingham your number, yeah. what, your next pick if, if, or, or would you have actually taken Fickle? Because I think I would have taken Whittingham um, next. I took Fickle obviously ahead of him. But, um, yeah, they, they, they were almost tied for me. I mean, tr yeah. truthfully at this point, it's with, with these guys, with that little core group, it's kind of just personal, personal preference. Yes. Like none, none of them have really not like they, they don't really have. Yeah. Any like championship, like they, none of them have won a national championship at this point. Like they've all either won a, like they, I guess fickle did make a playoff appearance, but Whittingham does have Pac-12 championships. So yeah. Like, yeah. and Franklin, Franklin doesn't. <laughs> Franklin doesn't really have either. Uh, no, no, he did. He won the Big Ten. Um, that was yes, the year that did. Ohio State actually, yeah, when <laughs> Ohio State went to the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, which is just bummer, something to remind yeah. Ohio State fans the next time they complain about the the uh, committee screwing them over. And no, hold on, <laughs> you guys got the benefit yeah. of the committee's choices several times and some iffy iffy ones. Um, yeah, fair. So my next pick. I will actually go. I'm gonna zag a little bit here. I'm gonna take Josh Heupel. Um, ah, I like that. personal preference type of thing. This is the number ten pick, which feels kind of high, <laughs> but you know, with him, you're going to get incredible offense. That system is ridiculous, and they're recruiting a little bit better now. Which was Tennessee has never recruited poorly, I would say, right. but they, right. you know, the last twenty years they haven't recruited as well as they did historically. 
and they're starting to pick it up a little bit. They just brought in Nico Iamaliava, great uh, five-star quarterback in this class. In the class of 25 right now, um, one of the best quarterbacks in the class is uh, Deuce Knight, a very talented player. And Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Notre Dame seem right now to kind of be his top three. And ah. we Notre Dame fans would love to have him, but Tennessee is putting up a great fight. And they can say, hey, look what our offense does. And right. that's because right. of Josh Heupel. Um, right. And that's a big deal. I don't know that I completely trust him to figure the defense out of Tennessee, but he, I mean, he might as he might become the next Lincoln Riley. I mean, we were already talking about defense being a problem that high, and this is several spots lower. So I'm comfortable with Heupel here at number 10. I like the pick. I like that pick a lot. Um, I was, I was, I think a lot of people are maybe a little bit lower on Heupel than what you are. And, and truthfully, even me, I viewed Tennessee last year as a national title contender. If Tennessee beats Georgia in November in Athens, I think Tennessee could easily have went on to win the national championship that year. Like, I, I don't think they, they, they don't lose to South Carolina because their defense didn't show up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think they would have rolled on through and would have at least went to the playoff, maybe, maybe won the whole thing. Like, they, they definitely had the offense to do it. No, I, I like where they're at. It's it, The defense is still a question, but they are physical. Like, they do have a, a bit of a physical edge that maybe, like, USC does not have. Like, we can go ahead and say, like, Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma teams didn't have, like, just – that like a really super physical edge to them. And I think Tennessee is kind of developing that. Yeah, no, I, I like the pick. I've tipped mine off already. Yeah. I said it, it was, yeah, it's going to be James Franklin. I'm high on Penn state this year, man. I, mm. I like them a lot. The recruiting is good. Okay. And he has made some sketchy in-game decisions <laughs> from time to time. I admit that I like, I'll just go ahead and embrace it. I think he's learning. I think he will have learned on the job. He's definitely been given time, which to Penn State's credit, they have not moved on from him. They've stuck with him. Mm-hmm. I, I like where they're at this year. I think the defense, the defense is salty. More, more than people would expect. I think the offense is, I think it will take a step forward now that we don't have Sean Clifford there for the first time in seven years, six years, six years, yeah, I think. Something like that. that. That he wasn't there. He was there for just forever. Um, yeah. The, I like I like what Franklin's doing there. I think he's Franklin's a guy that like if it like kind of like I think Franklin's kind of where Harbaugh was two years ago. That when sure. one thing goes goes his way, multiple things will then kind of follow. Like yeah. I think the recruiting will pick up. Say he wins the Big Ten championship, the recruiting picks up, it goes to the playoff. Yeah, more momentum, picks up some more. He gets to hire a top assistant again. Like I think I think Franklin has that potential. Franklin's issue is all these coaches, especially at this point of the draft, they have a flaw. His issue is that his flaw is so clear and obvious because millions of people are watching on TV when his flaw shows up. It's tough. Yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way, that does not mean he can't be very successful. I don't hate the pick at all. That's a good pick. Um, Yeah. And we both like recruiting and he does a pretty good job with that. He does. Very good. Not like as well as they could. I would say, yeah. but like you're saying, if they actually find a way to win the Big Ten again, I think that will help the recruiting again, and we could see them vault. Like earlier in his tenure, it seemed like Penn State was was a little higher in the rankings from year to year, and they might get back there if they, if they have the success that we might be expecting them to have. 
I don't know that either one of us is picking them to actually win the Big Ten, but we both think they could. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they could easily knock off either Ohio State or Michigan this year, like one of the big two. Like I like it could easily be like kind of like a three way tie, like a little log jam there in the East, the Big Ten East this year. Yeah. Okay, that goes to me at twelve. And oh boy, this is tough. So there's two coaches I'm looking at who both did more with less last year, <laughs> um, and faced each other in their conference title game. One went to the national title and promptly got destroyed. <laughs> Sonny Dykes and Chris Kleiman, both really good coaches. Those are kind of my next two guys here, tip in my hand. I like both of these guys. Obviously, I like what both of them have done. Kleiman kind of coming from a lower division um, success, I believe, at FC, in the FCS level. Um, and then makes his way up to Kansas State and has done a good job. He's just, he's just built the program, it seems like, steadily. Like, they still haven't – okay, so they won the Big 12 – but it yeah. feels like they kind of have been steadily building where every year they just get a little bit better and a little bit better. They're bringing in a top 10 quarterback in the country in this freshman class. Um, there's still, it's, it's Kansas state. There's a ceiling on what you can do there. It's kind of the same with TCU and Sonny Dykes, the other coach here. Obviously I'm stalling because I can't freaking decide which <laughs> one to pick. Uh, give me Chris Kleiman. It does feel a little bit more established, whereas TCU felt like a little bit more of, okay, that was really impressive, but was it just a flash in the pan or not? <laughs> like, we'll see. I think Sonny Dykes is a good coach, and he's he's done – it's not like it's his first coaching job. He's done some other sure. decent coaching jobs. To right. me, it feels like Chris Kleiman is very clearly building on something, and it feels a little more established to me. So I'll go with him at number 12. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I think I think where we're talking about right now for Sonny Dykes is wild, wildly high. Sure. And it's he did win a playoff game. He did. Like I, like we can just go yeah. ahead and admit he beat Michigan. Michigan was the Big Ten champ, undefeated at that point. Credit to him for doing that. I think TCU takes a large step back to reality. Like I, I think it's I think it's going to be a little interesting um, for mm -hmm. TCU this year. However, I like. I'm not saying that he's a bad coach. I would have him in my top 20. I'm not going to take him at 12 though. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot, there's a number of other guys that I'd be looking to ahead of him. You snaking Heupel that early really kind of miffs me. I really <laughs> wanted Josh Heupel a lot. Um, yeah. I felt like Sonny Dykes was a little overvalued. Some just a couple of names I'm looking at like, Okay. It's it's Lane Kiffin or Chip Kelly. I'm going to go ahead and jump on an offensive mind. I'm going to go with Chip Kelly. Okay. For me, Kelly has he has done more to change the way offense runs in college football than anyone in the last what 15 years. Like it's 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 really incredible. Like just everything that he has brought into college football. He's still a really really good play caller. They've got yeah. him. They've they got a five-star quarterback coming on campus. Dorian Thompson Robinson's gone finally. Um, he was Dante a good quarterback Moore will for UCLA. Be right, Dante Moore is <laughs> going to be excellent. I think. I think they're. I think UCLA's kind of slept on a little bit this offseason. Um, I like what Kelly does. People say that I've. I've heard a lot of that. You know, NIL is good for Chip Kelly because he doesn't have to maybe recruit as much. 
I don't know if I really buy into that. I guess we'll see. Like the results will bear themselves out. I trust Kelly a lot as a coach. I think he's an excellent, excellent X's and O's guy, um, and just a really good developer of of quarterbacks. I think their run game, like that little zone zone running attack that UCLA has, is is fascinating to watch. I think it's really interesting. Um, and they're more physical, I think, than like Chip Kelly's yes. teams are more physical than people give them credit for. They're viewed as kind of like a Mickey Mouse team or whatever. Um, yeah, like kind of tricks and yeah, all that. They're physical. They're downhill. Like they'll come hit you in the mouth. I like that about UCLA. I'll go with Chip Kelly. I don't hate that pick. 15 years ago, we started seeing teams go really fast. But yeah. Kelly's teams were seem it seemed like they were the first ones to go really fast and use the run game while doing it mm-hmm. and be effective both on the ground and in the air. And he's he's done a really good job at UCLA. The recruiting is not ideal. No. I do think that going to the Big Ten, they'll have a bigger recruiting budget. Um, maybe the, maybe because of those paychecks from the Big Ten, like some of their donors will be able to donate a little more towards maybe some NIL funds or something like that. That could kind of help fill the roster a little bit better. I do think like if you're if you're looking for a coach for one year or two years, like just to yeah use the talent you already have and, and see if you can maximize it, he he would do a good job. Like that, like that pick for you. So a second ago, um I was talking about Kleiman and Dykes. I sort of feel like because I took Kleiman, I, I sort of view them as the same almost in a lot of ways. And I don't know that I need Dykes now until later. <laughs> well, no, like, you said you, you 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 said that you you like them at the same place, so now that means you have to take Sonny Dykes. It doesn't. It's, see, I gave myself away <laughs> because I said that I didn't like Sonny Dykes. I'm not that taking not... Lane Kiffin either here. So okay, all right. You you can rest easy. I might take Dykes later. I have another guy in mind at this spot that I'm really happy it fell to me as well. And you could say fell. It might even be a reach to some people. Hang on. But I was yeah. Go ahead. If you take Kalen DeBoer, I'm going to be very I'm taking upset. Kalen DeBoer. Are you serious? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is basically like Josh Eipel. Yeah. Just incredible offensive mind. He took he took Indiana as their offensive coordinator in 2020 to like a six and two record. And then he went to Fresno State, had a great year as a head coach. Went to oh, yeah. Washington then last year and they I mean who can forget what Washington did the last year after right. after really being just terrible for several years in a row he goes <laughs> to Washington and suddenly they're winning double digit games and looking like a completely different team it's amazing what a great offensive mind can do still very unproven but what we're starting to see so far in his career is incredible Washington could win the Pac-12 this year I like yeah. Kalen DeBoer. To me, it feels like a different lane than the Sonny Dykes and Chris Kleiman guys. Like this, this is more of a, those were, those felt a little bit more like, how do I say it? Older guys who maybe have a higher floor. I suppose there's a chance Kalen DeBoer just like completely fails, like a, a certain aspect of his job at some point, but his ceiling is high. I like what I've seen so far. I'm taking Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, how could you not like what you've seen? Yeah. Like, like the it's not just the quarterback whispering that he's done. Like that whole program changed just overnight. Like yeah. I no, I I like what he's done, and it's not yeah, it's not like he just did it once. He's done this multiple places. 
he did a really good job at Fresno. And and I think that was slept on just a bit. So yeah, Kalen DeBoer is it's a kind of a slam dunk. I, I like that there. He's he's a little undervalued just by everyone. I, I don't think he's quite appreciated. Now, I, I do think that we don't need to go ahead and say that Washington's a playoff team this year. I don't yeah. think we need to do that. That's maybe a <laughs> right. little bit premature. Let's just hold on that just a little bit. But taking Kalen DeBoer in the top 20 is that's where he should be. If um, Washington I, goes eight and four this year, don't forget where they were before they got him. Like that yes. would still be a good coaching job. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. I'm going to kind of stick with this run on the Pac-12 coaches. I'm going with Dan Lanning. Oh. Um, I've I'm very familiar with 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 him when in his time at Georgia. The recruiting there is incredible. Like they they have a currently a, I think they're number five or six. They're number six right now in in the upcoming class. They signed another four started or got a commitment from another four star today. Hmm. They they're recruiting very very well. Oregon's physical. I think. I think the concern was that, like, when Crystal Ball leaves, does does the roster kind of downgrade? Like, like what really happens to Oregon? It, the recruiting has not cooled off at all. Like, they've done a really good job. Um, I I think Oregon's going to be a tough out. I I think the whole Pac-12 is just fascinating. Like for all yeah. the reasons, like we've taken Chip Kelly. Now we've taken ta- uh, Lincoln Riley, um, Whittingham. We had him. He went really high. Now with like DeBoer, Jonathan Smith's a name we haven't even really mentioned yet. Right. The Pac-12 is loaded with some good coaches that are kind of young. Some of these guys are young dudes yeah. Um, that are, yeah, still kind of up and coming, kind of still learning on the job in some cases. So, yeah, no, I I like I like your pick. I like De- Kalen DeBoer if I could have got him. I, I'll take Dan Lanning. Um, those were going to be my next two either way. I'm, I'm high on both of those guys. Sure. Yeah, very good recruiter like you talked about. Fits very neatly into comparisons with Brent Venables and Marcus Freeman. Those are the three guys who last year became first-time head yeah. coaches as former stud, young defensive coordinators who yeah. are all about recruiting and all of that. Um, yeah. To me, like, it feels very much like you could make an argument for any one of those three as, as far as, like, who you think will be good, who you think will be the established amazing coach in, in five years, or maybe all three will be. Um, right. Could see that too. All right. I only have three picks left and I want like five coaches. Yeah. It's <laughs> that are on my board. Um, I do feel good about this one though. I'm taking Jeff Brom next. Oh, as a reach. It might be a reach, but let me tell you the Purdue job is not very good before Purdue got Jeff Brom. They were absolutely horrific. Yeah. They were terrible. Yeah. I think Jeff Brom, what he did at Purdue is honestly incredible. Um, just and won the Big Ten West last year. Yes, and and did like can you name four players on Purdue? Can you name two? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just think that was a very good coaching job. They always have. They don't always have an incredible offense, but he always seems to maximize what they could get out of their offense. Yeah, and he had a few spicy defenses along the way too in his run at Purdue. I think he's going to do a really good job at Louisville where he played quarterback years ago. I think he's going to do an excellent job where they all of a sudden are a top five program in the ACC. And I wouldn't be surprised. Now I know he went to Louisville. So there's probably some kind of sticking point where 
he's not going to leave Louisville for a, a job that's just slightly better. But I wouldn't be shocked if one of the big boys came calling in about three years and we well, see okay. Jeff Brom coaching somewhere better. That was my thing. Why would he go to Louisville? Like Purdue to Louisville felt lateral. Like, I don't, is that, is that okay to say? Like, it wasn't like, why not? There, there was so much, there's been so much like just coaching turnover change. How, how did he not end up somewhere else, at least in the big 10? Like coaches aren't, shouldn't be wanting to leave the big 10 or the sec. You know what I'm saying? Like just due to like the money, like we've, we've talked sure. about this stuff all the time, just changing dynamics, everything. You want to be in one of those two big conferences that are going to get paid more money, invest more. Why? Like why, why there? That's where he played in college. But, His but, brother played there as well. I think that that's part of it. I also think that there are going to be a few guys who zag. And instead of being the smallest fish in a big pond, they're going to go be the big fish in a small pond. And I think that at Purdue, he was pretty capped out. I mean, he won the Big Ten West. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's They're going to go to pods, even if they haven't announced it. We all know that's going to happen. Or not pods, but the three permanent rivals, and then you rotate yeah. everyone else. That sure. is absolutely going to happen. Purdue is never going to be better than a, I mean, occasionally eight and four type of team, um, which is what he got them to. Yeah. They're never going to get better. He capped out absolutely. I think at Louisville, he could turn them into a 10 win program. I really believe that because he's that good. Okay. Yeah, maybe. And I understand the alma mater stuff like a bit. I, I do. I just, yeah, like, like, Guys that are are leaving one of the the bigger conferences, it that's kind of confusing for me. Like it, it is a bit like the last SEC coach that left willingly, that willingly left the SEC on his own. Yeah, from, that was James Franklin, and he left Vanderbilt to go to Penn State. That's a large like that's not those weren't equal. <laughs> you know, everyone yeah. else that's left the SEC has gotten fired or you know retired, like one or the other. I guess recently just fired. Yeah, that's been <laughs> the main thing, but. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was surprising to see. You're going to like my next pick. I'm going with Kirk Ferentz. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm not going with Shoot. Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the total opposite. I, are you kidding? I still have Lane Kiffin on the yeah. board. You could not get two more, like, it couldn't be more opposite. Lane Kiffin and Kirk Ferentz. They should just, like, combine forces and, like, hey, Lane, come coach offense for me. Well, yeah, yeah. like, well, let, just like, don't worry about my son too much. Just like kind of give him ideas. Just text him some cool plays on Saturday. You don't even have to show up. You can stay at Ole Miss. Text my son some cool plays and we'll figure this out. I like what Lane's done. The lack of high school recruiting is concerning. I admit that. They haven't been great at recruiting the high school ranks. They've been really good at portaling. They've, they've, They've kind of figured it out in other ways. They've got, they've brought in, they have a lot of good quarterbacks right now. They have three legit quarterbacks that could start for them this year. We don't really know who's going to be the starter. We're going to kind of figure that one out. It could get a little dicey. I understand this is, you're playing in the SEC West, which is, that's, that's a nightmare. That's tough. (laughs) That's not fun. Sure. I like what Lane Kiffin does. I feel like he's a, he's a transcendent offensive mind. He is. I'm betting on him to figure it out. Yeah, I mean that's the hit, the slide had to stop at some point, and this was this is yeah. where it was the logical stopping point for him. 
really I like what I like Lane Kiffin. I'm starting to wonder if his ceiling might be just slightly lower than I thought it was. I still think like if if Auburn had hired yeah. him, like they would probably quickly become a top twelve program again. Yeah. Um I don't know Agreed. if I would view them as like, oh, they might win a national title in the next four years. Like I don't know if he's quite that good. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, we're not saying he is. He's down here at number seventeen. So right. I think that's right. a good spot for him. Good value for for you there. I guess I kind of would view him a lot of ways like similar to Jeff Brom. Like X's and O's offense guys yeah. who run a pretty good program. Um, probably are never going to have elite defenses on their team, but kind of kind of do more with less a little sure. bit. Like guys that are schemers, like excellent yeah. X's and O's coaches. Yeah. Yes, sure. Okay. I for my next pick. Okay. There was one first year head coach last year. Well, obviously we talked about we, we've talked about how there was like, what, seven guys we talked about all last offseason, and Sonny Dykes went and actually went to the national title game. Mm-hmm. There's another first-year head coach who we never mentioned and might have done the most with the least of anyone in the entire country. Last year, Duke football went 9-4. and four. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Duke football went 9-4. and four. I don't know how um, Duke was trashed yeah. before Mike Elko showed up there. Um, was a longtime defensive coordinator, had high levels of success at Wake Forest and then Notre Dame and then Texas A&M. And by the way, if it doesn't work out for Jimbo Fisher, I would not be shocked if Mike Elko <laughs> went back there as the head man. Like, yeah, I'm just saying it could happen. I think at some point he's going to get a really good job and he's going to do a really good job at that job. <laughs> I, I Phrase that a little weirdly, but I think you know what I meant. Mike yeah. Elko is my pick here. I think he's a very good coach. I already thought that he was a good coach um, as a coordinator, and then last year when he became a head coach, and then took Duke football to a nine and four record. <laughs> like, yeah, that to me was ridiculous. I was blown away by that, and we probably didn't talk about it enough. And yeah, basically, I'm betting on the upside here. I have no problem with that. Like you mentioned doing more with less, like that's kind of what, it's kind of the theme here, right? Like sure. these aren't guys that are just recruiting top five classes anymore. Like we've already, we've already snapped all these guys up. We're but I will say guys. he is a good recruiter. He proved it as a defensive coordinator and he's at mm-hmm. Duke. He obviously can't recruit top classes. I wouldn't be surprised if he could recruit at a very high level, if he did get a, a more high profile job. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 I agree. I'm just saying like, I, it's absolutely right to look for guys that are doing a really good job at somewhere that doesn't have the resources of, of guys that they're going up against. So yeah, no, yeah. I have no problem with that. I, this is my last selection. Yes. Is this right? Okay. Here's names that are left on the board. And, and for some people that say that this is easy, you know, it's easy to draft just to, just to do a quick little draft. And yeah, just, to, you have to leave so many excellent coaches off. Yes. Only get 20. Yep. Just some names that I'm looking at. We have still, still actually on the board is Sonny Dykes, who played for a championship this year. He's just (laughs) sitting there. He's he played for a title game. Just sitting there, won a playoff game. Just not even talking about him. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest done a great job. Yep. Mike Gundy 
Mark mm-hmm. Stoops, Mike Novell. Jimbo Fisher has won a national championship still on the list. And by the way, he still will be. I'm not taking him. That yeah. that's a that's a disaster right now. But it could change. It could. Mac Brown is still on the board. He's also won a national championship. Yeah, there's what we can we can even get into like, yeah, Sark, Sarkeesian at Texas. Jonathan Smith is still out there. Your guy, Mario Cristobal. My guy, Mario Cristobal. Hugh Freeze is sitting there. Shane Beamer. Okay. Sitting there as well. Um, Hang on. Hang on. I have not chosen. It's between Shane Beamer and Jonathan Smith. These are two young guys that are up yes. and comers in their profession. That's what I'm looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Guys that are on their they're on the ascend. There's no question that they have they both went to places that were viewed as they were the little brother in their own state. Oregon State's the little brother, and so is South Carolina, or they were. And they pulled off impressive victories this past year. That's that's something to note. I'm gonna go with Jonathan Smith. I'm going to take him at 20. The job he's done there is fantastic. He gets DJU in from Clemson. Mm -hmm. The Pac-12 is solid. It is very solid, and there's a lot of good coaches. But Oregon State could be a sneaky pick. Not just just be a threat, but to win the whole conference. Like, Oregon State's a legitimate good football team. They were in a dogfight with USC last year, and we kind of forget about that. Yeah, no, that's an excellent pick. Jonathan Smith, kind of your... You can talk about it. How often can we say the phrase doing more with less, but he's, he is that guy. He, he creates offense out of, I don't know. I mean, they've had quarterback injuries at Oregon state and it just doesn't matter. Like he always just finds a way. Even I think there was like one game last year where they threw the ball like eight times or something like Uh something ridiculous. They just, he just found a way and he, he clearly knows offense. He knows how to coach a football team. Oregon state might be one of the toughest power five jobs in the country and he yeah. has turned them into a, a very solid program. Um, I think they have like the fifth best odds in the Pac-12 to win the title this year. So, um, yeah, he's you almost can't overstate how good of a job he's done. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is the last pick of the draft. I have one pick left. And before I say my pick, I'll just say all the names that I feel terrible not drafting. Because <laughs> there's it so sucks. many. Sonny Dykes, Mark Stoops, Lance Leopold. Dave Clawson, man, like I'd love, oh, he's so, Mike Norvell, Matt Rule. Take him, take him, he's there. Take Sonny Dykes, you know you want to. I'm going with my guy, Marcus Freeman. I feel like the upside might still be higher than anybody else that's left out there. Um, You took Dan Lanning several picks ago. (laughs) You could argue that Marcus Freeman was a better first-year head coach than Dan Lanning was. Um, well, definitely did a better job than Brent Venables his first year. Fair enough. Um, I think that Marcus Freeman, he sort of has – this is just going to sound so stupid. <laughs> but he has that it factor. Like he, Everybody that knows him or comes in contact with him just likes him. Yeah. Um, Recruit some others, especially like, let's just say I got the most handsome coach on the list. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Good looking dude. Good looking dude. Yeah. It wasn't a perfect first year. They did have some bad losses, but i liked the trajectory. Like they improved from that point. They stomped Clemson. Yeah. And that, by the way, that was an undefeated Clemson team in November when Notre Dame ground them into dust with fewer than a hundred passing yards from 
Yeah. What, the least talented quarterback in the Power Five last year? I don't know. Wow. Yeah, that could be harsh. But I think Marcus Freeman has an excellent shot to raise the ceiling of what Notre Dame has been over the last 25 years. And I like some of the focus that the quarterback recruiting has improved um, under his watch. The defensive line is recruiting very well. Cornerback has gotten a lot better. It's the important positions, in other words. The receiver mm-hmm. recruiting has gotten a lot better since he's been there. Sure. It seems like that. Okay, so Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame has always been like offensive line and tight ends, and that's great. But in modern college football, you need a quarterback, you need receivers, you need a defensive line, and you need corners. And they're finally starting to figure those positions out. So I like what he's doing. I would have felt comfortable taking him earlier, but I knew you wouldn't take him. So I got him with the last pick of the draft. Okay. <laughs> you, you said like, you knew I wasn't going to take him. Like I was pretty are, sure. The, I mean, there, there, there is a rebuttal to that. Like he's okay. Like he didn't start out great. He lost to Marshall and to Cal, right? Uh, Stanford. Oh, St- Stanford. Sorry. Yeah. Marshall and Stanford, the other California. I'll, I'll never forget. I was at that game. So were you really? Yeah. It was fresh wound. Yep. Yeah. They finished strong. Like you mentioned, they, they, they did find something there at the end. Um, they beat South, what South Carolina in the bowl game. That yes. was a really good game. Like, and you mentioned how they like just took apart Clemson, um, like yeah. just took them apart. Um, I, I don't have, I don't have a huge problem with it. It's okay to take gambles right now with some young, like you're, you're going for young coaches that, you're buying kind of buying cheap, really. Like, like next year they could be considerably higher. Like, you know, just depending yeah. on what kind of year they have. So, yeah, it's it's it is very much um, kind of yeah, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, right? That's that's kind of how it is. The coaches that are left on the list is yeah. rough. That we left a lot of really good coaches out there on this list, and it's because we're just doing 10, 10 each. Jamie Chadwell. <laughs> we we almost have forgot about him, haven't we? Yeah. Like he was, he almost went to Auburn. Like, yeah, that, that was yeah. an, an Auburn guy. Um, yeah. That Dion, no one took Dion Sanders. That would have, that would have been a great pick. I should have taken, I, I, I probably could have won the vote if I would have went with Dion at the end. I didn't even think <laughs> about that. I could have won the, uh, the popular vote. Yeah. I, I have to see him do something in the FBS level before I draft him in one of these drafts, but Hey, um, just kind of recapping our picks, Ashton, Took Nick Saban, Davo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Kyle Whittingham, James Franklin, Chip Kelly, Dan Lanning, Lane Kiffin, and Jonathan Smith. My picks were Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, Luke Fickle, Josh Heupel, Chris Kleiman, Kalen DeBoer, Jeff Brom, Mike Elko, and Marcus Freeman. Um, yeah, what what picks are you most proud of? Which picks do you are you sad about that you missed out on? Um, I, I really wanted Harbaugh. I, I wanted Harbaugh really badly. I wanted Kalen DeBoer. And you snaked both of those from me. Th- those were going to be my next selection Um, in both of those cases. Like, that was the name. I already had it picked. Like, I wasn't even going to think about it. It was that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, it, it's, that's, it's unfortunate. You can't get everyone. Yeah. You just can't get everyone. And there's a lot of good coaches out here. I think a lot of these guys are young too. You think about how many of these guys are still kind of learning, like still kind of growing into the job of especially in the latter half of this draft guys that are up and coming and are just, they've just kind of in the job a, a couple of years and like, they're definitely on the come up. So yeah, no, I, I think um, there's, there's some stars that we have kind of later in our draft 
that will in a couple of years you'll look back and be like how did we think of them that low and it's just because like we didn't know about them yet like they were just still too young so i think there's that like for both me and you sure absolutely would you have taken harbaugh third if Dabo had not hired garrett riley this offseason if brandon strader was still their offensive coordinator I mean, honestly, probably would have. And yeah. and, and why, why wouldn't I? Like, right. he's won back-to-back Big Ten championships. Clemson doesn't seem to be wanting to move the ball on offense at all anymore. Yeah, like, I absolutely. Like, like yeah. the, the trajectory is a big deal. And, like, coaching, it it is recruiting, and it's recruiting these coaches. Like, who can you get mm-hmm. in a year where everyone wanted a good offensive play caller? Everyone did. Alabama did. Georgia did. Ohio State did. Clemson goes out and gets, in my mind, the best one. That that says something to me. That shows, like, wow, okay, like, you still have a lot of juice there. Like, people still have a lot of respect for you and your program. Um, so, like, in my mind, that really solidified Dabo up there. Yeah, I I would have probably taken him third. I, I would have taken him third. I wanted him. I was hoping you'd take Harbaugh at three, but, but um, yeah. So, I wanted Dabo. I wanted – Lincoln Riley and I want to Brian Kelly at, like though you took all of those guys right before I would have taken them. Um, yeah. I don't know that I was like zeroed in on them before the draft, but like they would have been my next pick if you hadn't taken them. Um, yeah, I felt pretty good about the way it played out. I liked most of my picks. Uh, this is so much fun. Like I just love the kind of yeah. processing the all the different aspects that go into all these coaches and seeing how seeing the ways that we think alike and the ways that we think slightly differently. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Who's going to win? Who do, you, who do you think? Just looking at the list, who do you Ooh. think, uh, who do you think will, will win the, win the vote? I feel like people just end up kind of voting for their coach. Yeah. So you've, you've got the Clemson vote. <laughs> I've got Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state, and Notre Dame. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I'm probably, I'm probably losing. Yeah. But you, then again, you did get Nick Saban. So that might be enough. Yeah. I doubt not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, thanks everybody for listening. Again, 100 episodes. We'd really appreciate all of you guys that make that possible. And and if no one listened, we probably wouldn't record it. So thanks for listening. Um, have a great week, and God bless you all. 